0: Drunk Botany, episode 15. Hoist a glass and prepare to enter a world of gardens, brews, botany, and booze. Here's your host, Bill Crescent. Everyone knows that your podcast hasn't really made it until you get to do an affiliate link for a shaving company. This was really hard for me, since I prefer old-fashioned methods of shaving, and most companies today market products that have more blades, plastic, and moving parts than I'm comfortable with. I strive to shave the same way that your grandfather did, with a single chromium-plated stainless steel blade. If it was good enough for American GIs in both world wars, then it's probably capable of tackling my own facial hair. That's how I came to find Vanderhagen. Vanderhagen makes a luxury shaving setup which includes a badger bristle brush that any bewhiskered man would be proud to own. They also provide a German steel double-edged safety razor blade. Forged in fire and hardened in ice, these blades hold their edge and fit your vintage razor. Find the perfect shaving set at drunkbotany.com razor, and your refill blades at DrunkBotany.com blades. Welcome to another episode of Drunk Botany. I'm your host, Phil Cration. And joining me today is Dan Reed of the Culinary Libertarian. And he also runs a small program called Holiday Hooch, to which I subscribe and comment regularly on his Facebook posts. And uh, do you want to say hi to everybody?
1: Hi, everybody.
0: Uh, Dan reached out to me uh, just at the beginning of the holiday season and was asking me about simple syrup and whether or not I knew anything I could do with it. And I feel like my response was pretty much along the lines of what can't you do with it. But uh, do you want to introduce simple syrup to the
1: audience? Sure. Well, by its name, it is simple. One part water, one part sugar. Boil that together and let it cool and you've got simple syrup what we can do after that is get complicated simple syrup and that can be usually in the form of adding fresh herbs or dried whole spices to let them infuse kind of like a tea into that syrup to extract the flavor of the thing and then you pair the flavor of the simple syrup to whatever drink it is you wish to make. Uh, and so with those basic tools, man, the world's your oyster for cocktails.
0: Well, I thought that that was a really interesting thing to make note of because I, you know, I bartend, and a lot of the people who listen to this program are interested in barware and spirits and bartending ingredients. And so what we call simple syrup also goes by another name in the bar world, and that's that's bar syrup. Now, bar syrups are not always simple. Sometimes you have heavy bar syrups. As you mentioned, a simple syrup is is a simple one-to-one ratio of sugar to water, but you'll have heavier ones in bartending. And one of the reasons this is, is simple syrup allows a bartender to add a layer of sweetness almost instantaneously to a cocktail. It's already dissolved. So, all right, I'm going to step on a couple of toes here real quick. So one of my favorite drinks is the old-fashioned. And bartenders of all ilks like to argue back and forth about the right way to make an old-fashioned all the time. And uh, some people strictly believe that it's a sugar cube. Some people say, tear open a sugar packet, muddle an orange and a cherry, and get going on that level. But... For a large number of people, the the solid ingredient of the sugar is important in their muddling process. Uh, There are other people who absolutely abhor the use of granulated sugar in their cocktails. Uh, A good bartender doesn't always get like, unless you, excuse me, unless you have a good bartender, you might wind up with a cocktail that still has undissolved sugar in there and people don't always like that. Now when you it's ha- like
1: the bottom of the bowl of clams with linguine, and you get half of the ocean. Oh, uh, yeah, I,
0: exactly, just like that. So it, it, that can ruin the drinking experience for some people. So when you have a simple syrup, it just mixes instantly. It also stretches a drink out. It adds a layer of flavor that's not there. Uh One of the things that I've noticed is if you make a two-to-one simple syrup, you can add less – less liquid by volume in order to get the flavor of sweetness that you want in this in in the parlance of drinkers it is like having a stronger drink with without watering it down
1: to make it sweeter uh so Just I, so I'm sure I understand you you're saying two parts of sugar two cups of sugar to one cup of water
0: sometimes yes that that okay. that that's how I'll, i've Actually, I have uh, an array of syrups in front of me right now that I'd love to talk to you about after I talk to you about the ones that you've been putting together. Sure. And mine are all based on two-to-ones just for that simple reason, is that I'm trying to concentrate flavor and sweetness together. But simple syrup is, simply put, sugar, water, equal proportions, and you're ready to go. Do you have a tried-and-true method of making simple syrup yourself?
1: Yeah, well, I always start, now you're, let me comment that I think your point about 2 to 1 for a higher viscosity for the purpose of bartending is a pretty savvy idea. In the kitchen, all of our simple syrups were made with the intention of being used in either a baking thing or as a layer to brush on top of cakes in between the layers, this is an aside, but Genoise is a fine cake to make, but it tends to be just as dry as a box, so you put some simple syrup on there, and then the icing, and it doesn't taste so dry. It doesn't fall apart. Uh, we did make a simple syrup for mojitos back when mojitos were the big, big thing, uh, and the primary reason was twofold. One, it was a lot faster than the bartender having to muddle all of that stuff, drink after drink after drink, and two, it also avoided the sandy bottom, because nobody wants a grainy drink. No, they don't. And for for that, we went crazy amounts of fresh mint, and as a bartender, as a person who does something with flavor, you understand that getting a balance of compatible and contrast really makes an exciting thing to taste, whether it's an eating thing or a drinking thing. So along with the mint, and the drink has lime, some lime zest in there so what you end up with when you're making let's call it a syrup style tea because you're infusing flavors the more ways you can get a kind of flavor in there either from a rind or a skin of a thing or a dried version of the thing and the fresh version of the thing you get lots of layers of flavor so the first thing you taste is wow this and as you're swallowing the drink, these other flavors start to show up. When you build that complexity, now you've made somebody's mess. Like, wow, gotta go back to that bartender. Phil made a spectacular old fashioned or a spectacular, whatever the thing is. That's how you build an audience. That's how you make memorable food and drink. Absolutely.
0: So, I'm going to actually um, pause for this? a minute. I, uh, sure. I, I'm, cause I'm putting a drink together real quick. Um, wow. <laughs> You won't have heard well, of it. Uh,
1: hang on. Hang yeah. on. Don't be selfish. Let me catch one. Hang on. We just did. Um, did a little bit of ice in the cup here, and I'm going to play. All right. Absolutely. I,
0: I, 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 I hate to drink alone. Well, I'm
1: not going to let you Still so there.
0: My last episode, which will not have aired yet uh, at the time of this recording, was on Irish uh, coffee. And uh so I decided Mm. I've got the I've got Jameson on hand. I had made a turbinado simple syrup. And I decided to play with that a little bit. Um largely with a recipe that I had initially came up with for you. I'm gonna cheat and do it wrong and use some whipped cream. But what is notable about this particular Irish coffee is I made a specialty simple syrup. Uh, with you in mind. I originally designed this for a Manhattan, but I didn't like how it turned out in that Manhattan So I figured it might actually add a nice depth of flavor in an Irish coffee and what I did was I made a homemade gingerbread syrup in it is most of the ingredients that you would use to Make a gingerbread from scratch. I, I used a recipe that I found Online as a base, but I tweaked it a little bit. So I'll link to my original source, but I'll also provide for you the recipe that I used. I've got it on a cl- uh, card over here. I will tell you that it was a pain to put together <laughs> because I used a lot of whole ingredients when I was, you know, steeping everything and bringing it into a boil. Uh, uh-huh. And I wanted to, but I also used powdered ingredients because that happened to be what I had on hand and I didn't want like physical chunks of things left in the syrup because I thought that that might unbalance the flavor over time so I ran things through coffee filters and I'd like to tell you all who may be following along at home stay away from coffee filters for this thing The, the, the sugar Fills in every gap. I it, it took me. I'm gonna say eight hours to strain this, like eight ounces worth of liquid. It was a pain, and I uh, was not making any friends. But anyway, I wound up putting gingerbread syrup in this coffee and Irishing it up a little bit for you. And I'm tasting it now for the first time. Mmm, and that's good. The ginger really comes through. It has a nice wintertime flavor. And that being said, what kind of cocktail are you putting together on your end?
1: Well, you and I had talked before about this idea, so we were going to do an old-fashioned. And it's kind of an interesting thing to me to observe. In the kitchen, as a cook, I am about as culinarily conservative as is possible to be. However... Since my training isn't with mixology, I don't feel a need to adhere to tradition the way that I do feel the need to adhere to tradition in the kitchen. The so only purpose to I learn rules is to learn to break them. The sugar cube and the powdered sugar and the granulated sugar, and I made a simple syrup with, uh, now this was wintertime, so I am <laughs> I, sorry, Tom Woods, I eschew maraschino cherries to the bitter end, but I did find dried cranberries, which at Christmas time is a very appropriate substitute for a cherry.
0: Wait so a minute, mar- wait a minute. You
1: you hate, a minute,
0: you hate maraschino cherries? With a
1: passion. Have you even tried the good ones? I've tried the good ones, but the good ones have stuff. The maraschino cherries that you buy for 17 pounds for 97 cents? No. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're garbage. Yeah, I have a garbage. I'd rather eat the glass than eat the cherry. Absolutely, um, I have a
0: whole. I have a whole episode on Luxardo cherries. You should check it out. I've
1: listened to it. I did. It was a spectacular episode. You, yeah, you and your uh, co-host. Did a, it was a great show. Yeah, Lauren was fantastic. I enjoyed her very much. Yeah, she is very smart. Lauren
0: was actually the first person I was able to talk to using the miracle of the internet to bring somebody farther away from me to talk to me. At the same time on a podcast. Uh, where are you, by the way? I am in Oregon. She was in, I want to say, <clears throat> Georgia or something like that. I'm here in Pennsylvania, and I haven't left my kitchen. I win.
1: <laughs> well, I'm in my kitchen, too, and I win the distance race. Absolutely. Yes, oh, you doing? It's in, in Georgia right now, she might have more snow than I do. <laughs> I would believe that. So, so talk- for whatever reason, in this particular part of Oregon, which is in the mountains, but they call it a high desert, uh, it is on the same latitude, probably close to, actually, you're south of Ann Arbor, Michigan. This is the same latitude as Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we have not a flake of snow to be found in my little town. Got rain.
0: Yeah, we're getting a lot of rain now it's also. Very- So, wait, talk to me about what simple syrups you've got now.
1: Well, I am in the process of putting together a lavender one, and that's mostly because you talked to me about it. But one of the things that I like about lavender, well, there are several things. One is uh, in my little part of Oregon, here in the south of Oregon, uh, lavender is a decorative plant that is everywhere. And the people who decorated my landscape put out four giant, Lavender bushes, which right now they're all brown and yuck, but in the spring they'll be beautiful. One of the things everybody knows to use from lavender are those gorgeous, fragrant flowers. That's the smell we are familiar with. That's the smell that's in the sachets. What most people don't realize is the green part of the plant, the leaves, is also an edible part of the plant and a completely different flavor. Yeah, you don't want to put that...
0: you don't want to put that, that green part in with like a syrup. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. That green part is fantastic. Uh, pairs brilliantly, by the way, with venison or game. It's awesome. Chop it up, put it into pasta. It's fantastic. It goes good with cheese. Oh, so, okay. See, I... I'm making a simple syrup here with some lavender and going to just hang on to that and think about something to do with it because I've got two kids who would not appreciate a daddy drink with lavender.
0: That's probably true.
1: Uh, we'll find a way to kid it up with something. Um, maybe a, oh, you know what we've got is uh, my, my girls like the sparkling apple cider. Oh, that'll work. So we'll, maybe we'll make them a fizzy apple and lavender and something drink to make them feel like they're big kids.
0: That sounds viable. And, you know, you could even add a little bit of grenadine to it to change the color for everybody.
1: Yeah, we could do that. Um, it makes back it makes to that old-fashioned we were talking about, um, I made that simple syrup. I put some of the cranberries into the simple syrup just to get uh, the cranberry flavor in there and some orange juice and some orange zest. Oh, and I love I orange at this time of year. And when I let them steep, I cover the pot with plastic wrap because it seems to make a little bit better seal, but it's just a funny cook thing, and I let them steep for 15 or 20 minutes. Let all that flavor come out, and as it's cooling, just to pull everything out of it. Then when I strain it, I push on the guts in the strainer to get those last bits of good, flavorful juice. Especially if you're using fresh herbs like mint, or if you're doing something with thyme-flavored syrup, would actually make a really good drink. Same thing, let it steep a long time. Uh, one thing I will mention is spices or flavors like fresh ginger and fresh vanilla, those flavors grow as they sit.
0: Yeah, so you so got to be mindful of how
1: long you steep. Well, man, how, but also how long it sits on the shelf. So a week from now, your ginger might be stronger. Uh, they grow. So, I mean, there's a finite line there. doesn't continue to grow. But they do increase in strength a little bit.
0: That's so, interesting. So did you uh, just challenge is always a nice thing to add, use um,
1: as a bean, not the, not the extract, uh, bean into a simple syrup for some of that nice background flavor of vanilla because it's so complimentary to some of the kinds of things, especially fruit based simple syrups for drinks. All
0: right. Well, I'm going to accept your challenge and I'm going to make a <laughs> syrup and a cocktail based around time. And I will draw attention to it in a future episode once I've perfected something exciting. And I'll let you know. I also played with lavender for two different reasons and at two different times. Uh, so I want to tell you a little bit about the syrup that I put together for lavender. Now, the first thing that I did, and this is a very important disclosure, is lavender does not smell or taste like I thought that it did in my mind. Like, in my mind, I imagined those yardly soaps that you wash your hands with at nice bed and breakfasts. Like, I thought that it would taste Mm -hmm. like that. I thought that it would have, like, more of a purple color to it. But I get more of a citrus note to it. Like a a more subtle, more floral lemon. And I was not expecting that. So, I took a cue from Brian Hayosh. We did an episode together on bitters, and when we did, he talked about using a celestial seasonings tea bag in order to make a specific type of bitters, and I was just really impressed with the infusion properties uh, from the tea bag. So I decided that I was going to go out and get my lavender in that fashion. And I got a lemon lavender lane tea bag from Celestial Seasonings. And I cooked it up uh, right about the time that you reached out to me about doing this episode. And I wound up with a syrup that was awesome, but it was not at all what I expected. I think that I was thinking more along the lines of like a violet. I thought it would be purple in color. It came out yellow and a beautiful yellow at that. Um, so what I did to use this cocktail was I used it to add another layer of flavor in a lemon drop cocktail. Uh, which if I was a smarter host, probably would have shaken those up to do his shots with you. But, uh, I, I'll just put up a recipe for that for everybody else. So I was, I thought that I had done everything wrong. So then I scoured the internet and I found on Amazon.com a source of just the lavender flowers, like the, the buds. Uh, with very little of the, the green because as you mentioned the green is edible and it has a different layer of flavor to it Now people left and right were suggesting that I avoid that green as it pertains to making tea So I figured making a syrup is kind of like making a tea like those are the flavors that I'm looking for And my rule of thumb, which I used in the Lemon Lavender Lane from Celestial Seasonings, and again in this second attempt, was to use, if I made a control batch of 8 ounces as though it were a tea, I used two tea bags. So I just doubled the recipe because what I wanted was a really strong tea because I'm using less of it in an individual drink. And again, to use a two-to-one ratio lets me – I could probably have gotten away with three teabags. But again, for my sake of control, I used two teabags to eight ounces and then 16 ounces of sugar. That was how I steeped my lemon lavender. And again, when I used just lavender, which I have put right here, and I'm just going to run it through – not a coffee filter if you've been paying along – uh,
1: cheesecloth, Phil.
0: Cheesecloth. Yeah, I. Well, no, I didn't use a cheesecloth. I used, because I have whole buds and they're large, I used one of those small mason jar, mason jar sized colanders. One of those little sieves. Uh, if you listen to the episode with Phoebe North on seed saving, I'm using the same sieve that I used when I was cleaning my seeds for the winter sown method of seed saving right and now what i wound up with was a syrup that doesn't have quite the same yellow color to it but a much more floral note and it still has an interesting lemon scent to it uh what i actually got this in mind for is i want to make a cosmo with absolute pear vodka but instead of using the lime juice, the sweetened lime, I want to use this lavender syrup.
1: That sounds really good. Now, one of the things, just if I can uh, offer an idea. Yeah, talk to me. Uh, as, as flavor compatibility goes, and, and this works in cooking and in drinking, for anybody who likes making dishes which requires sautéed garlic before you add the rest of your stuff, a little bit of fresh ginger with the garlic makes the garlic taste garlickier. A little bit of ginger with lemon is a spectacular flavor combination. It brings out more of the lemoniness without highlighting the acidity, and the ginger offers a very compatible uh, pepperiness that makes those two things more, it's like a gestalt, bigger than some of the parts, and it is a spectacular combination of those two things. But I think the idea of the pear and the lemon is a genius idea.
0: All right. Well, that's what I've got in terms of all the different syrups that i put together for this episode. I, you, Again, you came to me and you asked me, what are some things that you could do with simple syrup? What's something that's not a mojito that you can make? And this is what I came up with. Well, that's good. That's,
1: yeah. Well, that's what I asked you. And, that's, and you've delivered.
0: All right. See? Man of my word. Now, before I let you go, I did want to Go through one little aspect of making simple syrup if you want to do it at home. Uh, the tendency sure. might be when you hear a one-to-one ratio to take like a mason jar and put sugar mm. up to the eight and then fill it the rest of the way of water up to the 16. But then you're not going to really wind up with a simple syrup. You're going to want to use two jars in this instance don't, because uh, it, it's an issue of negative space. Uh, when you have crystals like sugar that are physically taking up space up to a line on a measuring cylinder, there's going to be air in between each one of those. So when you add water to that, you're not adding an equal amount of water. If you take one cup of water and one cup of sugar and pour them together, you're not going to wind up with a full two cups. A- am I making sense?
1: No that part's right, but the your, your observation is a correct one, and the only caveat that I have is when I put one and one together and get less than two, I'm fine with that. Yes, that is my expectation. I'm, I'm okay just saying with that if oh, okay
0: I was just saying that if you're trying to make simple syrup at home and you don't want to dirty two things, you're going to wind up with a different product than what we're telling you about.
1: That's all I was trying Well, to the, the third ingredient we there, you'll be watering yes, down one your one, syrup. But one thing that is in that recipe is heat. Yes. It's, it's not just letting it. It's not letting the sugar dissolve into the water and saying it's a simple syrup. The application of heat is vital to that simple syrup to create the syrup part. And you'll see a viscosity change, even if you let a cup of water and a cup of sugar sit on the counter for a day or two or however long it takes For that dissolved action to happen, the viscosity is different between that and the stuff that you cook, and the stuff that you cook is what you're looking for.
0: Yes, but that was just a that was a simple mathematics thing that I wanted to tell you. You know, just because a lot of people might throw it off there. So again, uh, if you're using a two to one ratio, uh, you would be you are not going to wind up if you put two cups of sugar and one cup of water together. You're not going to wind up with three cups of liquid. You know, you're, you're probably going to wind up with a little closer to two cups. And I just want people to be aware of that moving into it. The other thing that I want people to be aware yeah. of is that it's such an easy thing to do that you should definitely be doing it. Now, simple syrup, it, it does have a shelf life. I've talked to a bunch of different bartenders in a bunch of different places and they'll be like, I've never seen simple syrup go bad. Well, I have. Uh, if, <laughs> if you have a mason jar full of simple syrup, that you leave at your aunt's house and you come back a year later and it's still in the fridge. Please check for the mold in it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, well if there's mold in it, it won't be hiding. It would be very easy to see. It will It'd be floating on top like little tiny green islands.
0: Yeah, I just and wanted I want to put it. that out
1: there. <laughs> yeah, don't don't if it has got mold on it, don't take the mold off thinking that if you can't see it, it must be fine. No, thank you. Yeah, please that's not how mold works. <laughs> 12 cents you have invested inside the jar, it's throw it away and start again. Because I'm, I'm not a doctor, I don't know that you'll get sick, but this is not a place to decide you want to save 12
0: cents. Yeah, your body's your temple, man. Uh, the other thing that I want to stop people from doing is going out there and buying like 6 to $8 bottles of sugar water, you know, because that's essentially what bar syrup and simple syrup is it's sugar water. You can make it yourself. <laughs> I probably should have started got the with that. Ingredients, yeah. So you have a blog. Do you want to tell I do anybody? Have a blog. You want to tell anybody about? Um, I,
1: I I would love to tell people about it. I, yeah. <laughs> In the world of blogging, traffic is a good thing, and the world of driving, less so. Uh, the blog is the Culinary Libertarian, uh, and that would be all one word. dot uh, com and my primary focus, because I have been a cook for so very long uh, and also a culinary teacher, uh, I've discovered that people like learning how to make and bake stuff at home. So uh, I have lots of recipes up on the page, and the vast majority of them are baking recipes. Uh, there's a few recipes there for dips, uh, recipes there for that. Uh, there's a few other things of interest to me there. But really, it's a place to come and uh, get some recipes, make some croissants, make some artichoke spinach dip, and have a good day.
0: All right. Well, I encourage everybody to go check out The Culinary Libertarian. Dan's a good guy, and uh, we talk rather frequently about different things. And um, if I can send people his way and you'll learn a thing or two, then I think that everybody benefits.
1: All right. Well, I, I agree
0: with that. I uh, I guess that's it cheers thank you for listening to drunk botany visit us at drunkbotany.com to subscribe to the show for free and we'll join you next week